Let's discuss the situation in Ukraine and uh, in a greater sense, the uh, global diplomatic efforts to do something about it with Dr. Jeff McCausland, CBS News military consultant, founder and CEO of Diamond Six Leadership and Strategies, LLC, and senior fellow at the Stockdale Center for Ethical Leadership at the Naval Academy. Jeff, it's always a pleasure. How are you? Joe, I'm doing very well. Pleasure to be with you. Thank you. So it is absolutely self-evident that this is a marathon and not a sprint. Can Do you get any sense of what direction it's heading in? Is there momentum on either side? Well, it certainly seems to me that right now, I would, I would rather talk about initiative and tempo, and I think initiative and tempo is on the Ukrainian side. As they're conducting a counteroffensive, albeit one that's moving more slowly than they would like and we would like, but still moving. Uh, and at the same time, the Russians are reacting to them. And that's what you want to happen in warfare. You want your opponent reacting to you as opposed to the other way around. Uh, however, worrying to me is the war also, I think, in many ways, is escalating. It's escalating in terms of range and the lethality of weapons. It's escalating in terms of the geography. Now, certainly, the Black Sea has become a war zone. And it's escalating in many ways with the narrative, particularly on the Russian side. And the Ukrainians as well have begun their counteroffensive not only against the land areas occupied by the Russians, but their counteroffensive now includes drone strikes uh, on the Russian capital, Moscow. And they've done that several times over the last couple of weeks. Now includes naval drones against Russian ships in the Black Sea and, and the drone strikes against bridges connecting the t- territory Russia has occupied with Crimea. So I think an effort by the Ukrainians to isolate that, but that war in the Black Sea, which is now unfolding after the Russians pulled out of this big grain deal, uh, really will reverberate across the planet, probably in uh, rising grain prices, which will affect a lot of poor countries, particularly in Africa and the Middle East, and potentially rising oil prices, since oil is a major, Russia is a major exporter of oil, if in fact it slows that export coming out of those ports down there in the Black Sea and Sea of Azov. I want to get back to those trade questions in a minute, but before we do that, I think the the drone attacks on the ships and the bridges are absolutely defensible and necessary and and the rest of it. But I found myself wondering about the the attacks on Moscow in particular, uh, the drone attacks. What effect do you think the Ukrainians are hoping to have, and do you think they'll uh, achieve their goals? It's a little unclear about achieving their goal, but the goal, I think, certainly is psychological and political. As the Ukrainians, many senior Ukrainians, including Zelensky, have said, you know, we're going to show the Russians that the war is coming to them. They cannot be immune. Uh, They can't sit in coffee shops in Moscow and still continue to live their lives pretty quietly while this is happening in a far distant place. Uh, And I think so. It's more psychological than military. They're They're not going to destroy Moscow. They're not going to overwhelm Moscow. But it's bringing the war to the Russian people who in many ways, have largely been immune to the conflict, despite the fact that we know over 200,000 Russian casualties have been suffered in this conflict so far. And, you know, what's interesting, Joe, is a senior officer admitted the other day, was on a telegram, I believe, and then taken down very quickly, that in his division, about uh, for every soldier uh, who was, uh, for every soldier killed in action, only three were wounded, which is a pretty bad ratio. It doesn't say much about uh, Russian medical support. Well, if that's true, uh, that, of that 200,000 casualties, now the Russians have suffered seventy to 75,000 dead. 
Wow. So my my concern about the uh, the attacks on you know Moscow and trying to bring it home to the Russian people is that Putin's narrative from the beginning, which is ridiculous and and false, is that this is a defensive war. We had to. We were threatened. Uh, you know, NATO is closing in, and and we got to denazify our neighbors. Blah blah blah. Um, I, I would think that you know the occasional cafe getting bombed in Moscow would actually reinforce that rhetoric that it's a defensive war. Yeah, in many ways, that's why I said, you know, the war is escalating in terms of the narrative, and that's part of that narrative that Putin is continuing to intensify. This is now an effort to destroy Russia. The very existence of Russia is at stake, and so they do an awful lot to tie what's going on in Ukraine to the Great Patriotic War, which reverberates really to many Russians, and that, of course, was World War II, 30, 35,000 Soviet citizens dying in that particular conflict, and the glory of the, of the Soviet military in driving back Nazism. That's why they paint the Ukrainians as being basically Nazis and fascists. So is more, as this conflict goes on and on, and he's not successful, I think he does a couple of things. One, more and more paint that narrative in those terms to try to maintain support. And second of all, more and more repression. You, you can't say too much in Russia about anything uh, without being arrested and being accused of being against the Russian military, against the conflict against the homeland, against Mother Russia. And those are themes that he is more and more employing. Jeff McCausland, CBS News military consultant on the line. Jeff, uh, I'm not sure if you've been following the big diplomatic conference over the weekend. I guess about 40 countries uh, met in Saudi Arabia to talk about the Ukrainian situation. Ha- has anything come of that? Or, or, or given uh, what we were discussing before, the, the terrible food shortages in Africa that could well be caused by Russia cracking down on the grain exports, uh, the, the energy markets around the world. Is there any chance that these dozens of, of nations are going to join forces and put pressure on either or both sides to get to the table? Well, they may try to. I still think they're going to be terribly successful. I think this demonstrates a couple of things. One, I think it demonstrates the Saudi Arabians once again trying to demonstrate that they are a global power, as they did when they opened up negotiations and in, in relations with Iran. Uh, and so the Prince uh, uh, Prince Solomon trying to demonstrate that he is actually a world player. Second of all, I think it shows that escalation geographically in terms of the reverberating or the widening effect of the war, particularly on those African countries, uh, which some may even face outright famine if, in fact, those food supplies are shut off coming out of Russia uh, and Ukraine. But I don't see that having a dramatic effect on the war, except, for, again, for the narrative. Ukraine was represented there, them trying to convince more and more countries to get off the fence and more and more isolate Russia as their hopes that might bring an end to a conflict. Um, But, again, how how they're going to do that is beyond me in that I think that we see Mr. Putin doubling down the conflict, doing things to make it more and more difficult for a, a soldier to avoid conscription. They've now expanded the draft to people in Russia up to the age of 30. As a reservist, you can be called back until you're 70. Uh, So they're doing a number of things to expand the manpower. And based on just internal resources, it would seem to me that that it's clear Mr. Putin can carry this war on probably for at least another year or two. Uh, And then don't forget, he's facing re-election in March of next year. And so there's going to be a constant drumbeat, I think, of that narrative of us being under siege, which will urge people to vote for him, though the election will be fraudulent. And, you know, it's a foregone conclusion even before it begins. Jeff McCausland of CBS News. Jeff, so uh, so grateful for the insights. Thanks for the time. Thank you very much. Bye. Armstrong and Getty.
When you drive a vehicle so reliable it's backed by a 10-year, 100,000-mile limited warranty, you stop thinking about what you can't do and start doing what you never thought possible. Visit your local Kia dealer today to see what you're capable of in a vehicle that inspires confidence around every corner. Kia, movement that inspires. Call 800-333-4KIA for details. Always drive safely. Limited inventory available. Warranties include 10-year, 100,000-mile powertrain and 5-year, 60,000-mile basic. Warranties are limited. See retailer for details. I'm Hannah Storm, and my new podcast, NBA DNA with Hannah Storm, chronicles my six decades in professional basketball, from growing up in the sport to becoming one of sports TV's first female broadcasters. Join me as I dig deep into the game's history, unearth some wild stories, and talk to my friends from the world of basketball, from Dr. J to Charles Barkley. It's been a wild ride, and now I get to take you with me. Listen to NBA DNA with Hannah Storm on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you love sports and true crime, then there's a new podcast from executive producer Dan Patrick and hosted by me, Jay Harris, that you won't want to miss. Playing Dirty Sports Scandals. Each week, I'm squeezing the juiciest details from some of the biggest sports scandals ever. I'm talking Marcus Dixon, Olympic gymnastics, Kane Velasquez, salacious Super Bowl-level scandals. Join me on the dark side of sports by listening to Playing Dirty Sports Scandals on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Saleya Mosin, and I've covered economic policy for years and reported on how it impacts people across the United States. In 2016, I saw how voters were leaning towards Trump and how so many Americans felt misunderstood by Washington. So I started The Big Take DC. We dig into how money, politics, and power shape government and the consequences for voters. With new episodes every Thursday, you can listen to The Big Take DC on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.